Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. rabbi. There aren't nearly as many forests in the Tanakh, in our Bible, as there are wildernesses. In fact, the word wilderness, midbar, occurs about six times as often as the word ya'ar, forest, in the Tanakh. And the truth is, this isn't at all surprising. There are simply not that many forests in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel, at the time of the Tanakh. And so the ya'ar, the forest, occurs more often as a metaphor than as a backdrop for a story. There are, however, a couple of times when the action and the story occurs in the framework of an actual forest, and most of them revolve around David HaMelech, King David. In one of the most notable and vivid stories about a forest among the legends and travails of David HaMelech, of King David, occurs at the time when his son Avshalom had rebelled. Rather than wait for David HaMelech, for the king, to indicate the person whom he chose as the successor to the throne, the person who would wear the crown, Avshalom arrogated that position to himself. He gathered an army, he gathered advisors, and he began to declare himself as king. And not only that, but he waged a war against his own father. As the war progressed, David HaMelech, the king, divided his troops up into three squadrons and sent them to wage war against the many troops held by his son, Avshalom. David HaMelech himself, King David, volunteered to enter the war, but his generals advised against it, suggesting that ultimately it would be a liability to have him there on the battlefield because they would have to protect him. But one suspects that they were aware of his deep sensitivity towards his own son and at a key moment might refuse to, so to speak, pull the trigger if he had to kill his own son, God forbid. David accepts their advice and waits on the sidelines. But before he goes, he gathers the generals of his three units and he asks them to act compassionately towards his son, Avshalom. With that, they head out for battle and David's soldiers are winning. We read in the book of Shmuel, the second book of Shmuel, chapter 18, verse 8. Vatihi sham hamilchama nefotsot al pnei kol haaretz. The battle was spread out on the face of the entire land. Vayerev hayar leechol baam measher achla hacherev v'yimahu. Literally, the forest battled to consume the nation 
even more than the sword on that day. The forest itself waged war against the nation even more than the sword on that day. A forest that is consuming people. The fact is, this image of a hungry forest consuming those who enter is not that far off from the way forests are conveyed in many of the fairy tales in which the hero or the villain is lucky or unlucky enough to enter a forest. J.R.R. Tolkien's works, The Hobbit, Fellowship of the Ring, etc. There are forests that consume those who enter. In The Fellowship of the Ring, we read about the old forest, which is dominated by a mean tree called Old Man Willow. And Old Man Willow almost succeeds in consuming Frodo and his friends. And if it wasn't for Tom Bombadil coming and saving the day, the story might have ended there. These kinds of consuming forests continue throughout the work of J.R.R. Tolkien. We find such forests also in, for example, stories like The Princess Bride, among many other places. The reality is that forests do consume, though they also produce and give life. Many forests are literal theaters of the interplay between life and death. A log falls, it is covered with moss, mushrooms come along and devour the log over long periods of time, reducing the log back to soil within which a new tree can grow. In this way, there is some similarity to the wilderness that we discussed last time, though the time span of a wilderness seems to be far longer than the time span of a forest. The wilderness in which the Jewish people, the Israelites, spend 38 years of their journey from the mountain at which they received the Torah all the way to the land of Israel is the place in which over a long period of time, one generation will die and another generation will come of age. In the forest, though, this sort of turnover is more direct and more observable. It is within clearer scope and vision. So in a sense, the forest in King David's story might have been an appropriate place for the transition of power from a father to a child if it hadn't been so distorted by Avshalom in his attempts to grab the crown and the throne inappropriately. The story there continues to tell us that Avshalom had long, beautiful hair, and he was riding away from the servants of David. He was riding on a parid, on a mule, and he passed under a thicket, and his hair became entangled in the thicket, and he was suspended between heaven and earth. And the mule went on, 
and Avshalom was hanging there by his hair from a thicket between heaven and earth. And it was there that he died. Hold the image of being suspended between heaven and earth for a moment as I move us forward about 3,000 years to a time when many Jewish tales occurred in forests. And these, of course, are the many tales of the Jewish people and the Hasidic communities that populated areas of Europe, of Eastern Europe, of White Russia, of Ukraine, which even now includes vast, vast areas of forest. So the wilderness space that was in proximity to the rabbis and the rebbies and the courts and the heroes and the Jewish people at the beginning of the 19th century, the wilderness space to which they had access was the forest. And therefore, many of their stories feature a forest, a way that the central figure leaves civilization and enters into a mysterious and unknown space. It is also notable that the fictional stories or the metafictional or archetypal stories of Rabbi Nachman, many of them included or took place in a forest. One of my favorite forest scenes in Rabbi Nachman's stories takes place in the 11th story, which is the son of the king and the son of the maidservant who are switched. A midwife switches the two boys at birth to see what would happen. To make a very long story very short, the true son of the king, despondent because of his fate, has taken to drink. He is wasting away his life. At a certain key moment, he has a repeated dream that tells him to go to the fair and to take the first job that is offered to him at the fair. Finally, after ignoring the dream for some period of time, he gets the sense that he must follow through, and so he goes. And he goes to the fair, and immediately upon arrival, he's asked by a merchant if he's looking for work, and he says that he is, and the merchant hires him as a shepherd. And immediately, he joins a group of shepherds who are shepherding animals from one place to another. And at a certain point, they're shepherding alongside a forest. Unfortunately, or really fortunately, his animals run into the forest and the merchant yells at him to go retrieve the animals and to bring them back. The animals, however, do not cooperate and he enters into the forest and the animals run away. And soon, Rabbi Nachman tells us that he has entered the forest that is so thick that he can no longer see out of the forest to where the merchant and the other shepherds are. He pursues the animals. They go deeper into the forest. He's terrified. He imagines that if he were to leave the forest without the animals, he would die by the hand of the merchant. And if he stays in the forest, he'll die because the forest will consume him. He hears the sounds of the animals. He's terrified, but he decides that he'll climb a tree and he'll spend the night in a tree and that will allow him to survive. And so he does. And in the morning, he wakes up in the tree and looks around and sees his animals. And he goes down to try to retrieve them and they run away. 
and he tries to retrieve them, and they run away. And he's drawn further and further into this thick, dark forest, until night comes again. Again, he decides to go up into a tree, and to sleep there for the night. But this time, lo and behold, he discovers that there's another person, sleeping, in the same tree. Reluctant to share the details of their lives and how they got there, they both convey a vague story about how they got into the forest because of animals. And they agree to partner up and that they will work as a team. In the morning, there's a booming laugh that fills the entire forest. Our hero asks his new friend, what's that sound? And he says, oh, it happens every morning around dawn. There's this booming laugh and then day comes. They go down from the tree as now they see their animals nearby again. They each pursue their separate animals in order to retrieve them. Our hero is going along, and luckily for him, he finds a sack full of bread, which he throws over his shoulder and continues looking for his animals. Instead of finding his animals, though, he finds a forest man. He is terrified of this man and also at the same time relieved to have found another human, or at least a humanoid. He asks... This forest man asks him, how did you get here? And he turns the question around and says, how did you get here? And the forest man says, I was raised here, as was my father and my father's father and all of my ancestors. But how did you get here? And he says, I am chasing after the animals. And the forest man says to him, stop chasing after your sins. Those are not animals. Those are your sins. It is time for you to stop chasing after your sins. You have paid your dues enough already. Come with me and I will guide you towards that for which you are fitting. Soon the other guy joins and these two partners follow the forest man deep into the thick of the forest where we do find serpents and scorpions. And he's very afraid and he says, how will we pass these snakes and scorpions? And the forest man says, you think that's something? How are you going to enter into my house? And he points towards his house, which is hovering between heaven and earth. The remainder of the story certainly deserves to be read. But note here, a forest is a place between heaven and earth, a kind of suspended reality that occurs in a forest, a place where, for the right person, transformation can happen. A person who really should be the king can become the king through the kinds of transformations that are afforded to him through a journey in the forest. And one who must not be the king, like King David's son Absalom, such a person might not be afforded the benefits of the transformation in this suspended reality, this suspended space that is given in the forest. The son of the king in Rabbi Nachman's story had already begun to go through a certain transformation where he found courage to climb trees and to survive in an otherwise hostile or a perceived to be hostile environment. And yet, the transition seems to require this forest man who guides him and teaches him, gives him a sense of direction through which he will emerge from the forest towards his ultimate destiny. In this, we see a certain kind of parallel in that many stories that feature forests also feature a teacher who lives in the forest, who is aligned with the principles of the forest, 
and can therefore teach this person how to absorb, as it were, the deep wisdom of the forest and then apply that to their lives as they emerge. We see here the forest man. I think of Yoda and the Dagobah system where Luke goes to learn about himself and to learn the force. And Dagobah system is very much a forest planet. I think of Tom Bombadil, again, a hero who knows the language of the forest, who understands the wisdom of the forest and therefore can help Frodo and his friends not just survive, but emerge from the forest with a clear sense of where it is that they are going and how they're going to get there. As opposed to the wildernesses that we saw, which are places of revelation, forests are places of guidance. They're places of learning, places where wisdom can be had. But in order for that wisdom to be absorbed, a person entering the forest must be willing at some point to lift their feet off the ground and put them back on the ground, pointed in a different direction. We'll discuss more of the opportunities and perils and practices that bring us into forest consciousness next time we gather. But in the meanwhile, a blessing for all of us to absorb the deep, deep wisdom that is afforded to us in the forests that hopefully are nearby and contain life and death and life and death, teaching us so much about how we can live our own lives accordingly. Amen. Mm -hmm.